0: Welcome to Walking Backwards. I'm Brad Grimet. So I bet a bunch of you are a bit surprised to be hearing a new episode. And I'm surprised it took me this long to do one. Um, Obviously the pandemic shut me down and some people wanted me to do it over Zoom. But Zoom's really impersonal and I like to be in the same room with whoever I'm talking to. Zoom also sounds like shit. And I try to make the podcast sound good. So that was a no-go for me. And then once I got out of the habit of doing them, it was, uh, it was hard to get back into it. Because, you know, it's a lot of work to make this thing. Um, but I'm back now with what I think is a pretty fun episode. A uh, little backstory here. I went to Australia earlier this year. I haven't been since I was a kid. And uh, I've been wanting to go for a while. And it happened that one of my oldest friend's band were uh, doing some shows in Australia in February and March of this year. So I figured I'd kind of tag along with him through the country as well as bring my recording set up and do a few podcasts while I was there. Uh, first of all, Australia is fantastic. Highly recommend it. The people are great. The food is great. It's a beautiful country. I really have nothing negative to say about it and I had a great time. Uh, Second, I have to thank all the guests I interviewed as well as apologize to them (laughs) for taking so long to release the episodes. Sorry about that. Uh, When I got back from the trip, I was on a show. So I was straight back to work, very busy for a while. So that's excuse number one for taking so long. Excuse number two is that I've had some medical stuff going on uh, it's been taking a while to figure out, uh, I'm going to be fine, but I needed to sort some shit out. Um, still sorting to be honest. Um, but things are, things are better and hopefully they'll be even better soon. So that's actually the silver lining of the strike. Uh, without it, I probably would not have taken care of that stuff. And, uh, you know, shit doesn't get better. It gets worse. So, <laughs> um, so I guess that's the upside to having the time off. Um, Speaking of the strike, I, I hope everybody's getting uh, through it okay. I know I'm stressed about like money and insurance and other shit. Like I'm sure a lot of you are. Uh, but stress is bad for your health. So try to stay positive, and you know we'll be back to work eventually. Who knows when? And um, you know it's easy to say, oh, stay positive. But um, you know you just gotta keep trying. To do some productive stuff and um, hopefully everybody's making the best of it. Anyway, on to the reason you're listening. My guest this week is James Pulai. James used to come to Cinegear every year here in Los Angeles, so we've known each other for probably 15 years. Um, So he was my obvious first guest in Australia. Uh, There are a couple of different things about this episode. First, we recorded in front of a class of film students, James students to be exact. Uh, Which was a bit odd, but actually turned out to be great. Uh, Another odd thing is that I hit the wrong button on my software at the beginning. So I did not record the beginning of the podcast. So you'll hear the moments just after I figured that out and started recording. Uh, So there isn't that typical introduction like there normally is, but I still think it turned out great. uh, Despite my bumbling. So uh, anyway, enough of me rambling. Here's the episode. Enjoy. Heard stories about
1: cinematographers not hitting record on camera, yeah. and yeah. So start start number two. <laughs> start number two.
0: We well, okay. So we did a whole thing off off mic where we opened bottles of bourbon. No, Let's see and if we, we can do it. Okay, uh, you got uh, it again. Uh, do it a bit slower. It worked. Nice. That's better clear Clearer. Anyway, Never. I brought some. I brought some bourbon, some Birdie's Bear Gulch, and some. Uh, what else did I bring? Lost Republic, and we're drinking some in front of some students. Of James, because you're teaching now. Yes, just how did this come about?
1: Fill me in. So, just prior to COVID, I kind of got a very amazing opportunity that an old producer friend of mine um, got in touch with me and said, "Oh, James, we're looking for you know a someone to come and lecture in the film and TV department, specifically around live and multi-camera TV initially." And after growing up and working in the industry on drama for a pretty long time or a decent amount of time. I got a job at a tv station as a full-time camera operator and then that taught me the tv side of the industry when i went freelancing and moved back to melbourne and yeah just before covid we um yeah got the opportunity here which worked out amazing and you know everybody here looks after me so well and it's such an amazing place at jmc academy down in melbourne um that's free plug oh you know i have to to throw something in there just kidding you know the the bosses would be uh of course course, you're welcome to but it's um it's been great and you know everyone's so cool and we do some pretty crazy projects and some good things and it's the boss asked me on when i came to the interview okay you know are you interested in coming and lecturing what's and why would you be interested and i said well can i speak frankly and he goes yeah of course and i said well most of the film students i get on set are shootouts they have no idea what the hell's going on they have no idea what they're doing and there's something missing And I kind of turned around and said, if you know, I would, you know, train people the way I was trained on set and do it in a proper way that, you know, you communicate, you teach, you know, all those little nuances that we Mm -hmm. both know are amazing and invaluable on a film set. And, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's just like that's what was missing from all these students that would come out. And then now, you know, a few years later, even with the pandemic, I see, I was on a shoot for a couple of weeks in January and a couple of my students were working on the job. And they'd graduated and been out in the industry for a while. And it's fantastic to see them working and doing everything that I taught them. And it's just cool. like, wow. And that kind of, again, hap- all happened at about the time when I found out we were having a baby. And it was a you know, one or two day a week commitment that kept me at home, kept me from traveling, and meant I was around and not going far. So kind of all fell into place at once. And by no means am I not working in the industry. I'm all... I'm, you know here a day or two a week but then i'm out and about shooting non-stop and it's fantastic cool man
0: yeah yeah you were telling me the other day how it's just worked out really perfectly and now you have two kids yes good yep. for you Congrats. Uh, there's
1: there's the pandemic <laughs> 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 from no kids to two in a couple of years and it's um it's look it's you know uh, you yeah, we we were talking about the pandemic the other night and all this stuff it's honestly the you know for me yes there was all these problems yes melbourne was the most locked down city in the world and all this stuff but I didn't care. I was at home with my little one. It was seven months old at the time when we went into lockdown, and I didn't care.
0: Kept you me, were one of the few that it worked out really perfectly for. Exactly. It. Yeah, good. Yeah,
1: good, I, got, I, got, I got really lucky with that, and it's been, yeah, an amazing ride. And then now it's, everything's back and crazy and going stupid again. So, yeah. Yeah, no, there's no, yeah, it works flat out inside here, outside of JMC. It's all just really, really busy, so I have no, no complaints at all good 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 and it's fun jobs you know everything yeah i'm being you know picking and choosing a lot more about the projects i want to do and don't want to do specifically and again not afraid to say no where i can and where i want to so it's a good thing
0: yeah good um how's well you told me you left you went to uh you left the country for 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 the first time when was that like yeah i went to a couple months ago yeah
1: i was in auckland new zealand in december for a tour with uh billy joel and one of, one of the big jobs I've been doing a lot of is shooting a lot of live music lately. And um, it was a great experience. It was crazy getting on the plane. I'm saying some Hail Marys, and I was running the takeoff line and all this stuff and just kind of calming myself down. Well, because of, of the kids now. Yeah, oh, right, absolutely. Right. You know, That's, was, that was my point, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, you go, I know you from <coughs> attending so many cinegears in the States and jumping on the planes around the world and never being afraid to travel anywhere, really. We've done some crazy things, but... Um, yeah now it's just changed the focus and the first time i was on a plane in my little fella's life it was just like wow okay there's so much more at stake here you know please don't go down it's gives yeah. you a little more perspective absolutely huh? yeah, yeah, oh yeah yeah, yeah. i wouldn't
0: know i don't have any kids but <laughs> well you got your cat i do have a cat yeah, yeah who's I
1: babysitting do. your cat while you're out here
0: uh my friend okay cool yeah, yeah. she's she's looking after her for me so no yeah it's nice. con- convenient but um oh god what else I'm not used to having a crowd I feel like a monkey in a cage right now and to be honest I had more than a few of these last night so I'm sweating profusely and you know whatever having a good time enjoying milk. <laughs> yeah I,
1: I met Brad and we, um, I left my car in at the Crown Casino and, which is just down the road
0: from where we are and um, yeah had a few drinks oh my god that bar you took me to the bar in the middle of the yar- yeah, Yara? it's
1: called uh, Ponyfish Island, and the, it's a, on a pylon right. on a bridge, and it's just kind of right on the water. And if Alec Janning is listening, he'll know because I took him there. It's as in well. the middle of the water. Yeah, it's in the m- it's, it's,
0: it's w- river on both sides. Yep, it's
1: awesome. It's right on the uh, the pontoon that holds the bridge up in the air. It's just there, and you wouldn't yeah. you walk over the bridge, you don't even know it's there. And it's a great little spot. We go for a couple of drinks every now and then. So it was good. It was yeah, good. yeah. It's better than the place where the fire alarm went off and we all had to be evacuated and. <laughs> Oh, that's true. We can talk about that. <laughs> that's and we're, si- thing. we're
0: sitting there having a, having a beer. We went to another place. It was a little chilly at the other one. So we go in and we're sitting at the bar, which apparently no one in Melbourne does. But uh, I'm American, so I bring my American yeah, yeah. shit with me. Uh, <laughs> so we're sitting, we're sitting at the bar having our second beer. And this alarm goes off. And then he says to me, Oh, in a second it's going to say evacuate. And I'm like, OK. And so I tell the guy, we had to leave in like five minutes. I had to meet a friend for dinner. And so I said, oh, can we pay you? Because, you know, we want to make sure we pay. And he he kind of ignored us. Then it says evacuate. And he tells us evacuate. We're like, we owe you money. He said, get out of here. I'm like, Australian hospitality, free beers. Yahoo. Free alarm, (laughs) free beers. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, that was fun but uh uh so what else you said you said you did chappelle? How was that? did you just do one or we did
1: two nights in a row, and okay. it was um it was really funny and he's such a he's a, a unique comedian and um he for those who like his humor, he's very funny for those who don't could take offense at a lot of the stuff he says, so it's a bit of an interesting kind of debacle kind of night um but the you know Jeff Ross was supporting and he was amazing, and um it was a it was a good time. So a lot of these live shows is kind of where my business has gone lately. Yeah, and yeah. it's just a – it's a different art. It's a different thing. And, you know, I was doing another concert the other night, and we had Pearl Jam's director directing us. Oh, cool. Which was, like, awesome. And we're just shooting Sting, and it was quite – it was a civilized show as opposed to shooting, like, a K-pop band we did the
0: week before, which was just horrifically crazy. So yeah just, you know, everyday How day are depends. the hours on those things? So-so or – we like, do on Like th- if you do a one off comedy show how how long
1: We were there I think it was 6 or 7 hours a night or even 4 hours That's a night. It? We, yeah, we show up, we do we don't even do a rehearsal even for we load show in show. and everything. We do oh, in some of the shows here we don't do the load ins, so they'll call me as a local camera operator just to do a 4 hour call for the show. Got
0: it. So they and have their traveling yeah. guys who set everything yep. up. Yep. Okay.
1: But then we when we did Billy Joel when we did these K-pop stuff, we showed up and Billy Joel, we were traveling with him so we were on tour and it was those days were fairly long, you know, we did you know, the last day here, I think I worked from midday till 4 a.m. the next morning I got home or something like that for load out. Uh, right. Load in, you know, we were there, I think we did five days of setup before the actual concert, before the sound check day and then the concerts over here, we had about a week set up in there for one show. Where? So at the MCG here. It was a cr- in front of 100,000 people. Oh, for the big stadium. Yeah, huge stadium oh, right, show. Right, in New right. Zealand, we flew in the day of the sound check and were there for three nights and came home. And then, yeah, we were straight into the MCG.
0: Wow, five-day setup. How yeah. many cameras was it?
1: Billy, we had... Uh, I'm going to just adjust my no, no, you're in right. case you hear... No, no, it's all right. It's I think low. Billy, we had six or seven, a couple oh. of little cue ball PTZs, so little heads, and then we had four hard cameras and... Um, a couple of handhelds on the stage alongside him. So, which were you doing? I was doing a slash camera. So on the side, so Billy has a piano that sits in the middle of the stage and rotates around. Mm-hmm. So you're either picking up shots of band members behind, or if Bill, you can see Billy's face, just shoot him. Really? Yeah. So, so he if he w- turns to you, if his piano, he's got um, little pedals at his feet which rotate the the turntable, and so if his piano comes into your shot and his face comes into your shot, you got to be on him. You're
0: you're essentially his yeah. shot now. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So he yeah. kind of, in a certain way, he directs his own show because he's spinning around. Yep, he goes wherever he wants, does whatever he wants, yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's
1: like when we did, um, a few years ago I did a Bruce Springsteen tour and we did a couple of shows in it's um, another venue here in Melbourne. And this this particular venue has very strict curfews every night and Bruce does whatever the hell he wants. And there was a $50,000 fine each night, I think it was, um, to break that curfew. They budgeted that in because they just didn't, Billy's just going to, oh, no. Bruce, you is said Bruce Bruce so Bruce Bruce Springsteen. Bruce okay. is going to do whatever the hell he wants. So he first night he came out and played Made in America from cover to cover. The next night he came out and um did yeah, another Yeah, but even that's not his whole show. No. That was all because normally his shows his is like shows. F- 3 yeah, 4 hours. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So they budgeted the curfew to go over it and just do let Billy let him Bruce Billy Bruce, I'm drinking. I've had two sips of bourbon and I'm already Yeah. Lightweight. Yeah, well. <laughs> 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 um I had a practice. It's it's good going out last night and you know working into it, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'll have another sip. That'll leave me out, I think.
0: Yeah, okay. If you need some water, um, oh, I got some. Don't worry. Um, and that's cool, though. The the oh, you have your Billy Joel. Yeah, it's uh, that's cool. What's
1: the old, the old saying? How do you tell a camera operator at a party four hundred dollars shoes but a bit of free t shirt? <laughs> I've never heard that one before. Oh, really? That
0: must be maybe that's an Aussie thing. Could I've be. never heard that yeah. one. Yeah, but there are people who every day on set it's. A, I don't know about their personal life but every day on set it's some you know it's Fisher yeah Chapman Leonard Gr- you know, like anyway it's always something yeah. Um, or Panavision or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We that Pat- was me for a while. Yeah,
1: Panavision T-shirts used to be currency around the world. I remember going to trade shows over in the States and had a Panavision Australia shirt on once and one of the guys I knew had a Panavision Hollywood one on. We literally swapped shirts at the show, mm. obviously before COVID and before all this stuff. And it was just like, oh, oh, dude, awesome shirt. Oh, awesome shirt. Bang. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm sure I have some Panavision Florida shirts laying around somewhere. That that thing closed a long time <laughs> ago. <laughs> but not before my career started. Yeah. <laughs> Actually it's a real bummer what happened there, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> so where is Panavision Australia? Do they have offices in Sydney, Melbourne? Yeah, Sydney, Melbourne and the Gold
1: Coast. They've got um they're on the lot, I think on Warner Brothers lot on the Gold Coast. And then they're just in around the corner here in Port Melbourne and then up, there's one up in Sydney as well.
0: Okay. And yeah. Uh, so Warner Brothers has a lot? Yep. At the Gold Coast. Oh, yep. I don't know. You learn something every day.
1: Yeah, Warner Brothers or Village Roadshow or one of those guys. It's, it used to be Warner's. It's yeah, I think it's well, I, I th- forget what it is. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought I think Warner's Warner's is a studio, obviously But Village Roadshow, I think, was essentially their money But they Uh, they had a name But I know they were, like, connected to Australia somehow That sounds right But you see that at the beginning of a lot of uh, Warner Brothers movies Because they've
1: also got Warner Brothers Movie World Which is a theme park attached to the studio loss on the Gold Coast So it's Oh, they do?
0: Yeah Is it any good?
1: It's okay Okay. It's probably not compared to Six Flags unless I haven't been up there in probably 20 years.
0: Well, you said it's movie world, so is it
1: like... Oh, you know, Bugs Bunny the ride and all the kids stunt shows and targeted at kids, not, you know, like Six Flags would be for us and that kind of stuff. It's like a little, it's a Disney world. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Hmm. Um, So how many stages are there at
1: at Gold Coast? A Hmm. lot? There's a lot up there. So traditionally in Australia, it's been a bit interesting. So... Gold Coast has had stages for, I think, 20 or 30... Oh, at least 30 years. Mm-hmm. And they've been kind of the central centre of, center of um, international production in Australia for a fair while. And then Sydney got Fox Studios again a little while ago. And then we only got our big lot of stages here in Melbourne, I think, in the early 2000s, which is actually... I remember doing the first movie in there. We did Ghost Rider, which was Nicolas Cage and Eva Mendes film. And I was one of the truckloaders on that loading film constantly. And... Oh, you were a loader on that? Yeah. I thought you told me you were a second or something. Yeah, I was second. I loaded, I seconded, I was doing additionals, so it was a bit of everything depending on the day. Oh, okay, you ran it out. Yeah, there were a few other movies happening in Melbourne at the time. We were kind of day-playing on a few other things as well, and commercials and... That's cool. A big show like that takes up, you know, especially in Melbourne, took up a whole bunch of crew at the time, and now there's a lot more crews
0: in Melbourne than there was back then, but it's... Yeah, Were there a lot of Americans on that crew, or was it...
1: Not so much. Um, You know, a few, I think the first AD on main unit may have been, um, as well as the director, but even the director may have been Australian. I can't even remember. I was doing mostly visual effects unit and other things, but... um, Oh, okay. Yeah, no, we had a predominantly Australian crew, but a a lot of these here, there's been union regulations that are all about employing Australian crew. Yeah, and yeah, getting yeah. Australians on board these shows, and at the time we didn't, there wasn't too many Aussies that had a lot of big international credits. Now we've had so much international production come out here lately, that you know there's yeah, a lot more international work coming in. So we're all working on international shows, bigger shows, higher budget
0: shows. So it's well, it must be yeah. busy. I mean, our friend is here right now from the US, making, yeah. You know, uh, finishing a movie. So um, they don't like to spend that money and miss their. It's normally a tax break yeah I think absolutely they don't, yeah. they don't like missing the tax break, and they don't like paying all the money to bring somebody, so it's either super busy or he somebody fought hard for him, yeah, I think probably it, both.
1: yeah, I think it was a DP that he works with a lot was here is
0: here on the show, so it's something like that, so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. but even then it's hard, you mm. know oh yeah, I had a director try to get it's not Australia, but I had a director doing a movie in Canada, and she wanted me to come do it with her, and the producers just like stomped their feet and were like, no.
1: They had and the money, they just yep. didn't
0: want to do it. And she didn't know at the time that she could stomp her feet a little harder if she wanted, which is fine, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I had the same on a
1: film in, um, when COVID happened. I was down here and there was a film happening up in Queensland. The original, original movie was meant to be shot here and the director's an old friend of mine, but then it went to Queensland and she wanted to bring me up, but couldn't because of all everything that was happening. And it was, uh, yeah, annoying, but that stuff happens, so we just sort of go with it.
0: Yeah, well, sometimes... Um, I mean, they gotta they gotta really have your back. Yeah. Um, our friend, uh, I don't think it matters, but I won't say anyway. Our a, a, a co friend of ours, an American guy, was going to do this giant movie in Toronto, mm-hmm. and um, and they had all this gear that they adapted to Steadicam and built all this really specific one off gear to put a remote head on top of his yep. rig and this whole thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And he t- told me. Two days before he said, I'm not sure I'm going or not. And he's, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, we haven't gotten the final, the final word. And the final word came the next day, and then he flew the day after. I'm like, okay, weird. Yeah. Anyway, it, but, uh, it
1: happens that way sometimes. You know, producers don't get the final green light on certain things. If, you know, it's a, a luxury item, if they can't get, they might be interviewing everybody in Toronto to see if they can get anybody else to do it for the same or less
0: money or anyone with the credits that DP can work with. Well, in Canada, they essentially have to prove yeah. whatever that means, uh, you know, but everything's subjective. But they have to prove that no one else in the country can do what this person can do. And that's why they have to come in. Back in the day. I, I don't know how yeah. it is in Australia, but I, I, I think it's probably close. There were, yeah,
1: back in the day, it used to be you almost had to be on the electoral roll in Queensland to be able to get a job in Queensland. And c- coming from Melbourne or Sydney, it was always a little bit harder. If there's, especially if there's government money involved in a project or any funding from the government involved in a project, they're always a bit more, a bit tougher on that sort of stuff. But um, not right. s- not so much these days because there's that much production. We're all, you know, it's all generally gov- um, federal government funding anyway at the moment. So it's all kind of a
0: little bit of a free for all. We're all kind of going everywhere. And is doing there stuff a rule and, about how much of it has to be like Australian produced, as far as like? Uh, s- created here before they shoot it, or not
1: necessarily. Uh, not that I know of. There probably is something further up the food chain. I know the the government's on a lot of streaming services at the moment, trying to get more Australian content on streaming services. Right. So there's minimum quotas on TV network broadcast out here, and now it's, that's trying to they're trying to get you know twenty percent um, Australian content on Netflix and on Paramount and all these other things, and right. encouraging them to produce local productions and make more shows here and big it up which is great for everybody because it's just going to generate more and more work
0: Mm -hmm. but it also and it's going towards australian content so yeah yeah well some countries again to bring canada up i don't know why i keep bringing it but like for for example like um when they get funding like a certain amount of it has to go to like canadian produced has to yep and then like with music if you have a license to play music in in canada like a regular radio yep. station. I know you guys don't know what radio is, but it's a thing we used to listen <laughs> to a long time ago. <laughs> it's a podcast, but over the air. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry, stupid dad jokes. But um, uh, anyway, they, they have to do like, I, I don't know the exact number, but it's like 60% of the music that plays has to be Canadian, yeah. or they can't have a yeah. license, which I find kind of crazy because it's like, I, I get it, but on the h- other hand, it's like, what if it's shit music? Yeah. If all you have is anyway, whatever. All right. <laughs> then they listen to shit, I guess. They go get a
1: podcast. <laughs> that always reminds me of, of South Park. The only thing on Canadian TV was Terrence
0: and Phillip. Right. And <laughs> Do they air South Park here? Oh yeah. Obviously. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh well it's on all the it's on streaming anyway now. Yeah, exactly. But actually either Paramount suing Warner Brothers or vice versa right now over South Park. Oh really? Like for uh like in the hundreds of millions. Oh, wow.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, because one of them licensed and the other one says they haven't paid and then the other one Uh, said, you know, it's one of those things. It's it's lawyers sending letters. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. (laughs) I just, with all the (laughs) stuff going on at Warner Brothers and I'm on a show that shoots at Warner Brothers, so I've been kind of, I don't know, I guess reading a little more about what's going on, Mm -hmm. especially they threw, okay, they call it show business for a reason. You guys are students. It seems fun a lot of the time. A lot of the time it is fun. But these people, two different filmmakers, actually Mm -hmm. three, because they were co-directing one, they were co-directing Batgirl. Mm -hmm. And then someone else was directing the Scooby-Doo movie. And Batgirl was an $80 million budget. Scooby-Doo was a $40 million budget. And a new CEO came in. Discovery essentially bought Warner Brothers. They merged. And the new CEO threw two movies worth $120 million into a garbage can. (laughs) Wow. And Batgirl was almost done. Like they had some VFX stuff left to do, like some CGI and stuff, and they threw it in the garbage. Because there's some rule that within one year of the merger, it's some Mm -hmm. financial gobbledygook that like you can take all these weird write-offs that you can't normally take. Because I was like, how can they just throw it in the garbage and then take it as a write-off? They should have to put it out, and maybe it'll make five million, and then you could only write 75. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, totally. But there is some like weird rule anyway. Stupid I was, business.
1: I saw an article
0: stupid about business. Warren
1: Beatty the other night talking about um, the Dick Tracy movie from the nineteen nineties. Oh
0: yeah, and he
1: owns the rights to the Dick Tracy character, and every t- every few years he has to um, <coughs> Brad's opening the boom again. <laughs> um, every two every few years he has to make a sequel to that to maintain ownership of the rights of it to prevent anybody else from doing anything with the character until 2027, I think it is, when the character's kind of um, out released to the general public, released to the audience again. So, yeah, he's every and every now and then, he'll literally put it on air in the middle of the night, not tell anybody about it, and one of them was on air this week. Oh, really? And um, it's just him dressed in Dick Tracy character talking to camera... And he's fought lawsuits in, in court to say this is an authorized sequel. He puts an IMDb page up for it, and
0: therefore he still has ownership rights of that character. Right, he spends $20 on it, yep. and then, right, yep. Yeah. So I worked on one of those movies. Oh, wow. Not on one of his movies. Yep. I worked on this Hellraiser. Do you, know, you remember yeah, that yeah. thing, Hellraiser? Yeah, sure do. So I worked on a sequel to Hellraiser for, sadly, the Weinstein Company, <laughs> making. Uh, before everybody knew everything um, making a Hellraiser sequel that was super low budge mm-hmm. and they knew they had to make it because they had like three months before they lost the rights to it yep. and so they made this crappy movie <laughs> so that they could later make a, a much more expensive crappy movie um, and it was uh, anyway it was fun did that see the light but of day or they just kind of kept it hidden in a cabinet until to whatever don't know I didn't see it. Yep, but you know, it's not really my kind of movie anyway. Yeah. But jo- Josh Harrison and I, Josh was, he was on it. His DP was shooting mm-hmm. it, and then he, he had some days that he needed off or whatever. Yep. And I, we kind of actually, it turned out we kind of, I think we kind of just half and halfed it. Yeah, nice. So, um, it was, it was fine. It was, an, you know, the DP's a nice guy. The director yep. was a nice guy. Everybody was nice. It was just, you know, everything was made with like. You know, matchsticks and a piece of tape. It yeah. was, you know, I don't know how much the budget was, yeah. but and if I say it was like one and a half million, that sounds like a lot of money, and it is. But when you're trying to make an actual movie, it's it's not that much money anymore, unfortunately. No,
1: it not anymore. It used to be, but it used to be, you know, you'd be able to make a little independent Aussie feature for that sort of money. But yeah. again, not so much anymore. In
0: I don't know why I was reminded of this. In '05, I did a movie. That we shot. I'm trying to remember. We shot 250,000 feet of Super 16, mm-hmm. and uh, that was like a three and a half million dollar movie. Yep. But we shot now Super 16 is essentially double 35 as far as length. So if it was 35, it would have been about 500,000 feet, and like giant movies were shooting a million feet.
2: Yeah.
0: And this was a three and a half million dollar movie, and we still had budget and film. Anyway, mm. it's a lot of film. Yeah. But speaking of that, do you miss? You said you were a loader on Ghost Rider. Like, yep. how much film did you guys oh, load on that one? A lot. Yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> more than I've loaded on anything else in my life. We were were you there for a champagne roll? Uh, no. Champagne roll is when you hit the hundredth roll, they literally stop everything and they would bring champagne yeah. out. I don't know if they do it any. Well, we don't really shoot that much film anymore. But no. I'm not sure. I've done it before, but it's been a long time. Yeah, I, I think exactly. now with, with 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 legality of shit. If something happened and somebody had a sip of champagne on set.
1: You know, if someone's mobile phone rang on set, it used to cost everyone a slab of beer. It cost that person a slab of beer for the whole crew. And by the end of the day, there'd be a case at one of the trucks and you'd all have a beer and then go home. Those days sort of... In the early
0: 2000s? Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, those days, again, sort of slightly gone at the moment. Um, But again, not many people are drinking too much on set anymore. It's...
0: Oh, definitely not no. on set. No, I mean, at it the would, end of a would, Friday night, there might be. I mean, the champagne the truck, roll is one thing. It's yeah. like literally like a sip or two per person, but like, yeah. But, um, no. But one of the nice things, the 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 customary kind of things, is like yeah. especially the camera truck. We often have booze, and then after work, people will pop on the camera truck and have a drink or a beer or whatever. And it's like we spend so much time together; it's our moment to like relax with each other.
1: Yeah, especially after a big day, big week, all that sort of stuff. It's.
0: Yeah, well, I've done some shows uh, six months of 70 <laughs> to 80-hour weeks every week, yeah. like nonstop, and and all you can do is, like, have a drink on the truck after work yeah. and pass out, go home, sleep for five hours, back to work, yeah. you know, rinse, repeat for six, seven months. Ugh.
1: That's why I'm glad I'm not doing drama these days. It's one that's, you know, I don't have to worry about post. I don't have to worry about any of that sort of stuff for long hours. Yeah, I'll do a day, you know, days here or there on dailies, but not – the full run and i'm kind of glad of it it's yeah you know i did a, a studio comedy show in january for a couple of weeks instead of doing the australian open tennis and um the tennis is a brutal one for me because i'm always doing it and i've done 13 in a row or something until this year and we were doing 200 hours in two weeks 16 days straight and we'll hit 200 hours mm. and it's just crazy how's your stuff work here over time and all that Depends on the job. So if you're doing drama, then... But there's not a
0: federal law related to that? Or? Not,
1: uh, yes and no. On okay. a drama, then the producers are, li- are legally obliged to do all the penalties, all the overtime and all that kind of stuff. On live TV and events, we wish they enforced all that stuff, but they don't. The main one they enforce is our 10-hour turnaround between days, especially on a, a live show like that. Mm-hmm. They definitely you know, do that 90, 99 times out of 100, yeah. but there is a rare one that doesn't, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, they don't kind of pay too many penalties on that one unless you're full-time in a network or staff or those kind of things. So it's there's different laws regarding freelancers versus employees. Right. So a you're working
0: 100-hour weeks and you're not getting overtime? Yep. Flat hourly rate the whole time, which is kind of crazy. That's – yeah, that's, yep. that's not good. No. That's, that's too bad. I'm shocked that – Mm. Huh?
1: It, and it's a difference between in the U.
0: in the U.S. federally, like yeah. there's, that can't happen. Yeah,
1: it's a difference between working on drama or live, and on a drama that wouldn't happen. You'd be paid through the roof. You know, when we did the last sort of drama I did full time was The Pacific, and I was doing video split on that. And the second we were working French hours, so the second we went over ten hours, it's triple time. So I think we only did it, you know, half a dozen times in the whole block, and it was no for no more than an hour or two max and i think we did you know eight months on that or something and it was kind of crazy but
0: yeah well we were talking about that and then Mm. my show that terminal list that was 14s and rolling lunches and uh, during covid so you couldn't eat on set couldn't take your mask off you had to walk away to drink water i I barely drank water i didn't have time i mean it was brutal so it didn't and josh had it worse than i did because you know i was doing second unit which was not always five days a week mm. it was rarely actually five days a week it was normally like three and josh was oof, yeah,
1: yeah. We, I, we luckily got to avoid i luckily got to avoid most of that stuff and only you know i was working on a few shows at the time when it sort of came in and they'd had certain un- an extra unit come on because someone had been in contact with COVID, and we were doing i think i was doing australian dancing with the stars uh-huh. and we had um one of the dancers one of the performers had um had contact with his dad and that dad had COVID so they were put the two of them in isolation right. so we took a couple of hotheads and put them on the roof of a hotel building and shot them dancing on the roof and they lit it and all this stuff oh. and then controlled them so I was there operating two hotheads myself through this whole song going live on air oh and, that's cool um, yeah that was a lot that's of fun that's a good it idea was, actually yeah. yeah And it was a re- it was a really challenging thing we had a big wide shot literally really high up on a lighting stand on the roof of this building and then I had another one where I was literally just following, chasing the people with a joystick hothead and zooming, focusing, all that sort of stuff myself. And it was a really challenging thing because it basically, the director would cut away to the wide shot, but at times he wouldn't need to. He would only do it to suit a, a beat, downbeat in the music and then cut back into the sort of head to toe follow that I was doing on both of them. And a couple of points, you know, you zooming into a mid shot, allowing them to come back and then let it breathe and go out and do their thing. And cool. it, it worked out really well. It was, and that was a fun challenge. Because, you know, it's not often you get to do something creative like that. And the director tells you what they want. But at the end of the day, we were off-site kind of, you know, a kilometre down the road on the roof of this building overlooking this amazing cityscape. And the lighting designers lit it really, really nicely. And is that show live? Yeah, live, straight live to air. So the previous week I'd been in the studio on a ped, you Mm. know, chasing dancers and then judges and all that sort of stuff. And then this week was hotheads on the roof and I'd left I was doing um, Australian Ninja Warrior at the same time where I was doing a handheld camera chasing the family and friends of the, warri- the Ninja running up and down the sidelines of the course and right. um, and again the variety in doing that kind of stuff it, it appealed to me a lot more than the you know the doing uh, drama all the time and doing the same kind of things right. it's the variety has just been so amazing lately
0: So yeah. w- let me go back mm-hmm. since we do have like <coughs> students here yep you have to consider the the pressure on you oh. when you essentially are the only camera, and you're yep. live on the air, and not only not only are you operating it, but you set it all up. Yep. I'm sure. Yep. So it has yep. to work. If yep. you go off the air or whatever, it's all on him. So like that's. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we had um two cameras running into
1: what we call little uh, live view units or Digeros, which is basically a little laptop in a box with a 4G internet dongle in it that is what most TV networks are using to do live crosses these days. They don't always pull up a satellite truck. They just use this little laptop with a backpack, you plug an SDI cable in with audio down it and you do that. So we had had four of those, so we had two mains and huh. two backups that the switches in the control room at Dockland Studios could go to at any time. So there was always four options. Um, And then, but yeah, that red light on the camera, we didn't even have a tally light. So that light on the camera comes on normally and you've got, you know, however many people around the world watching it. So you better not fuck it up. You learn how to get good at your job quick in those environments because, you know, if you make a mistake and that's live, well, okay, shit. A million people have seen that, or many more people have seen that. If well, not only not event. only that, but you didn't rehearse that, did you? We did. We did. Okay. Had, we had a We rehearsed it so that we knew pretty much what was going on. Okay. And because we were, so they were performing on the dance floor, kind of here. We were but on the balcony are like, above them.
0: It's like one pro and then one amateur yep. dancer. One right. pro and one celebrity. So there's a certain amount of who the hell knows what could yep. happen. Which exactly. with any live yeah. TV, yeah. you never know. So what we could did happen,
1: a. But. We were there for two days. We did a rehearsal the day before, mm-hmm. and then when we built the gear, rehearsed it the day before. And then the dancers were staying in that hotel, so that balcony where they were dancing was attached to their suite, so they could basically walk out. You know, they were in ISO together for the couple of weeks that we had to do.
0: So I got to tell you, that's and, genius, producing. Yeah, it was. It was finding fantastic. a way to not have them, yeah. like not be there. Yeah. that's pretty. That's pretty great. Again,
1: it was a little bit loose on the day because you know we'd walk out and get a lift downstairs do this and there they are in the lift, so they weren't super ISO ISO locked oh, really? in no Yeah, it was. It was a bit awkward. And then, you were know. Were wearing masks, or at least? I think they were, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were wearing masks and doing, you know, just walking around the hotel doing their thing.
0: But, um. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, That's a weird well, ISO. Yeah, it was. I it thought the isolation was supposed to be just you and you in much. the room. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, but, um. Anyway, it worked. So. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. On that one, we, we were right. We'd none of us got COVID on that one, luckily. So. <laughs> on that one. That was the next one they did, the, the same producers did here, which COVID, when COVID happened. Um, there was this show I think it was The the Masked Singer um, was mm. you know, the Australian version of that was shooting and um, because all the other shows had shut down kind of a big combination of crew got onto that one and um, the a couple of the dancers got COVID somewhere along the line and then um, they gave it to each other gave it to a bunch of crew members in the studio mm. and it was um, it shut down the production very quickly and After that, a lot of those shows moved to Sydney where it was a little bit um, less COVID stringent on production,
0: so to speak. Why was it more here than there? So
1: here, our government kind of took a stance and went hardcore and just literally shut everything down. You know, there were times when we couldn't go more than five kilometers or a couple of miles from our house. um, Right, but you 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 could go to like a grocery store. Yeah, you could go to a grocery store, masked up, you could leave once a day, you could go for a couple of walks, you could do that sort of stuff, but it's you know
0: pretty much fine. the same as LA yeah. yeah i mean for 5 months we were yeah. it was the same thing all the restaurants were closed yeah. it was the same here you could only go to like essential places yeah. and then takeout was a big thing like yeah. the places that were doing takeout like Yeah,
1: McDonald's drive throughs were selling bread and milk to save you going elsewhere and that kind of stuff as well and it was a it was a time but we've all kind of there were a lot of like
0: yeah. high, like nice restaurants that were doing exactly that, yeah. And then Don't there were then there were like the pre bottled cocktails, that Ooh. a lot of them were doing, and I mean just anything to like stay in business a yeah, little bit, absolutely. Um, I, the, one of the bars in my neighborhood was doing like bottled beer, you know. It had yep, you know, like a gross thing, yeah, kind yeah. Of the, yeah, yeah, Yep, the growlers, yeah, little growlers, yeah. and you know, anyway, and people were dying to get out. Yeah. So like, I knew a guy who was running a business selling um pre made cocktails with yep. with paired snacks. This chef and it came in a really cool tower. My, my a close friend of mine is a nurse, <laughs> and during the the beginnings of the pandemic, I had him. I sent him over a couple old fashions, like you know, because we were doing some Zoom drinks yeah, and yeah. this and that. And yeah, yeah. anyway, people. Oh, good fun. When when when, it, well, it's similar to the film business. Ooh. So like when the shit hits the fan, you get creative, or nothing happens. Yeah. So like you know what what's the what's the saying? I'm trying to think of somebody's probably. Um, Necessity breeds creativity, or something to that effect. Yeah. But yeah, you know, you get stuck in the corner and you figure it out. Yeah. And uh, if you can't figure it out, you're maybe in the wrong business. There's
1: a lot of good music made through that time. There's a lot of amazing art done because people actually had time to rehash and do that and actually stop when, you know, in traditionally you don't. It's um, in the craziness that is the world. It was really busy. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a good time for, you know, to refresh and start again in a lot of cases and yeah. go from there.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll never experience the yeah. the spiel again. Absolutely. I mean we're, st- we're at the tail end of it. We're still like testing and um, which one do you like better?
1: Uh, the Lost Republic. Oh, okay. Then oh. have more. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> Forcing me drink okay, have have to Okay, who has a question? Home. Somebody
0: must have a question by now. Yeah, go for it. Wait, so he wants to know a, an example of a, a cinematographer leaving a, a, a lens cap well, on We
1: it. were talking about that came up when um, Brad didn't hit record on the first um, part of the no, podcast. No, no, I hit record. Oh, hit record.
0: I just hit record in the wrong places. So yeah, the it headset's like the lens cap on.
1: Oh, there's, <laughs> there's infamous stories around this. And um, there was one that um, a colleague of mine was talk- told me about, and I'm probably going to embellish your story and tell it really badly, when... The, um, they were interviewing a CEO of a very major company in Australia, very big company, and um, the cinematographer shows up and has a full crew, gaffer, grips, lighting, the whole bit, sound does it a lot. And um, in the words of the person that booked my colleague and my mate, the DP had his head so far up his own ass he forgot to hit record. Where my colleague came in and um, this, he lit this whole place up with gear he had in his van, you know, Dito's and Fresnels and all this sort of stuff, and literally hit record. and The CEO walks in and says, Oh, different crew, hmm, and proceeded to do the interview again, no problems, in and out very quickly. Uh, yeah. So those guys at that level know a lot about this stuff, they understand it. You know, we've all, again, made mistakes in that kind of context. I remember doing a job and I was interviewing, I think it was the, um, working with the CEO or the, the Australian head of PricewaterhouseCoopers. And it was one of my first shoots on a Blackmagic camera. Um, and I you know, did my camera tests. I shot some footage, pulled it into the computer, showed the client, oh yeah, we're happy with this, love it. It was the client's camera, not my own. So I didn't you know, hold any responsibility for it. Put the card back in the camera. Client interview person shows up, hit record, time codes rolling, all this sort of stuff. Pull the card out, put it in the computer Every single frame is corrupt, mm. and that's the one time I've lost data on a digital camera. So we were like, "Oh, there's you know, something about this. How do we do it?" All sort this, this, of this stuff, and then it came. We there was a patch to fix. It was a known problem in a Blackmagic where it was an incorrect format on the card, not down to me, of course. Um, but they managed to find another fifteen-minute window in this CEO's schedule for the day to come back and do it that evening. So we managed to squeeze in 15 minutes with him before dinner. He knew exactly what to expect. It was, you know, we explained it was a technical problem, no big deal. In that time, I threw my ProRes recorder on top of the camera just as a backup, so I had two records going so that it wouldn't happen again. And it was done, the client understood, and was no problems. Yeah. So some of those times you get clients who understand technical glitches, especially with digital, because it's not you know, like you're handing over something tangible. Like, you know, back in the day, you have 10 rolls of film. Here you go. Oops, should have bumped the mic. Give it to the client and um, they walk away with something or a tape or a disc or whatever. Now you're walking away with hard drives and all this stuff. And, you know, you hate it when, you know, the client's spending $100,000 on a project and shows up with a $50 hard drive they've picked up at Office Depot or Officeworks here in Australia that's just, okay, it's going to go very, very slowly, the data download, but they're paying me my hourly rate to sit there and watch the data transfer. okay or you spend an extra 100
0: bucks and buy a good quality hard drive yeah you know it's that false economy so here so here's one for you to answer your question this you didn't leave the lens cap on but no. i show up for this job it was actually a really cool job i got a call for it the night before they fired they fired somebody another steadicam operator i don't know why um it happens but it was a fashion thing which was really cool it was in a, in a black box room maybe about the size of this room but all black duvetine with holes with like 5k uh, spots in the top so there were these models it was for a, a new fashion line so these models were like going from complete darkness into light and then showing off the clothing and it was going to be a film that they showed instead of like a runway uh, uh, show so uh, and we were shooting film uh, shooting on a I don't know it was 35 uh, an area three maybe anyway um nice by the way australian dp <laughs> super nice guy nice first i go in, i do it it was really cool the models were great and they and it looked great because you could not see them and then they would just appear in this light it was fantastic so he shoot it all and because i didn't know this client i didn't know anybody i told him at the end of the day i get my money i hand me a check and that was, a, that was a no, like, if he said no to that, I would not have worked. So I showed up, end of the day, hands me a check, great. Two days later, I get a call. It's all underexposed four stops, which with film is gone. It's, it's gone, especially when you're shooting in such a dark, it's high contrasty. And I don't know whose fault it was. I don't know if it was the DP's, but it was. I found out they had bought recans, which recans oh. are like the studio will sell unused stock back to a stock place that sells it for a highly discounted price for people wanting to make an independent film. You could go and you get short ends set of four hundred footers. You might get a bunch of one fifties, and there have been some famous movies made that way over the years. Mm. I think Swingers shot on short ends, but um, but anyway, uh, they were getting recans and short ends, and um, they were either mislabeled or his meter wasn't set properly or there are a few different things that could have happened in the process. But, and here's where the, the, the all important check at the end of the job comes in. No one got paid. This producer who I thought was sketchy for minute one, which is why I, I made sure he was giving me a check. He decided because the job didn't get finished properly that no one got paid. Even the people who were PAs on it, who had nothing to do with mm-hmm. any of it, and uh yeah that was a bummer but that's again that's another lesson like nobody's going to look out for you but you and i couldn't control any of that i couldn't control how we exposed uh the film the dp was setting the stop on the on the camera so um it's not my fault that Mm. you know it's the producer's fault for either not you know at some point it's the top fault
1: yeah you know we again on one of those big american movies that i did as a loader early on in my career We were shooting on, I think it was on the roof of Crown Casino, overlooking the whole city, doing some plate shots and background elements and night shoots, all this sort of stuff. I, you know, I loaded the right stock, all that kind of thing. And then the DP forgot to push the process two stops so that you can, when you're developing film, you can develop it in a way that gives you a bit more light at the end of the day. So you're getting, you know, more stock out of it. Um, And yeah, it all came back basically black and mostly not really usable so.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Was uh, What year was this? Early 2000, 2004, 2005. So this is like before at the very beginning yep. of digital intermediates. Very much, yeah. So absolutely. nobody was doing DI. Uh, so now every single person, if they shoot film, which not that many do, but for the Spielbergs and the Christopher Nolans and the Paul Thomas Sanderson's of the world, they shoot film, the first thing that happens is it goes through a it's not a telecine that's th- yeah, that's kind of an old school scan-off. way yeah. but it's just a film scanner and it goes through and they scan it at whatever resolution they want i don't know how they depending on the working pr- whatever yeah. anyway they scan it in at some high resolution and then they cut it all digitally and then they spit it back out and then they print out a print of film and then if it's being projected on film that's what that's yeah. what's projected a lot of times now it's still a file or whatever. Yeah, I remember my friend used to work for IMAX and he, he went from sending these, he wasn't physically putting them in boxes. He was kind of in charge of shipping and they would ship film cams, uh, cans all around the world of IMAX films. And yeah. that stuff's that thick. The cans are gigantic. And then suddenly just almost like one day it was like, Oh, I need to send them the thumb drive, you know, or, or yeah. I need to set up, he would set up uploads and they could literally upload at the theater. They'd, or they download the movie and then send it to their projector. It's a different. It's a different world. Yeah, it's like getting it's
1: DVDs of rushes sent to set. Now it's just an email with a link to a secure platform to view it on. Yeah, even getting sent DVD screeners to watch during awards season. We used to get you know heaps of them sent to us. Now it's just yeah a link to the website with your login and here you go, watch away. We still get a little
0: of. DVDs, but yeah. not many.
1: I think the last one I got was um, well, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think. Cause, okay.
0: Yeah. You know, a lot of the Academy voters are yeah. old. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, like real old. So, um, I I imagine a lot of it. It's just like the DVD player works. Yeah, they if absolutely. they have any technical, even if you make it as easy as possible, there's going to be somebody that oh, yeah. can't watch, and then they're just going to give up and yeah. not see it. But exactly. You know, um. Yeah. Any other questions? No. Anyone? What's anyone want to do in the business? Anybody know yet? Any clue? What do you want to do? Runner. Oh, you want to be a showrunner? Okay, so you picked the easiest job in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay. So how do you plan to do that? She said she um, wants to be a showrunner. Well, I want to start um, with intimacy coordination and okay. work through from there. Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, that was going to be my next question was how much (laughs) writing have you done? (laughs) So like, like novels kind of things or stories that Um, you want to put into script form. Okay. And that you want to turn into script form. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Well, good. Mm -hmm. That's a good head start. I mean, you know, if you told me you hadn't written anything yet, I mean, I wouldn't have been a dick about it, but like, (laughs) 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 but you know, like you got to write these people, by the way, I jokingly said you know the easiest job it's not because it's hard to get that job which it is hard to get it's that it's hard to do that job so I'm on a show right now and we're season three and we currently have two showrunners and uh, there are third and fourth collectively showrunners on the show so the creator of the show who was our season one showrunner left for I don't know all the details whatever didn't work out she left then we got another one the second year, and I don't know the details, she left. And it's not because they were bad, because the show kept getting picked up. So obviously they were doing something right. Um, but it's a tough job, and it's, you know, we talk about 100-hour weeks. They do, they do pretty hardcore weeks. I don't know their exact schedule, but it's, it's a lot. And thankfully for, like, operators, we leave – not all the time. Cause sometimes if you have a little anxiety about a job or you're working with somebody that's particularly tough, you, you know, you lay in bed thinking about how could I have kept him from being pissed off at me? Sometimes yep. they're just assholes, to be honest. But sometimes, you know, you, you wanna, I want to be perfect. I want every shot to be perfect. I never want anybody to wait for me or want, need to change anything or whatever. And that's impossible to do, but you're always striving. But when I leave work, most of the time, I can forget it all and drink, you know, one or two of these or seven and uh, just kidding, uh, one or two of these and forget it and have a good night with my friends or whatever. Showrunners, they get a call at 9 p.m. They got a call at 10. They get a text at 11. Oh, we lost our location for tomorrow. That's supposed to be at 7 a.m. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so we need to ride around. We don't have the house now. The whole thing now has to happen in, a, in an empty, empty uh, parking garage yeah. instead, of, uh, instead of a living room of a home. Well, how do you have, like, an intimate family conversation in the parking? You know what I mean? So, like, again, necessity and all that stuff. But it's, like, at the highest level. And a lot of people depend on you. A lot of people are making a lot of money based on what you do. You know, anyway, it's a big gig. But it's, it, it, if you're aspiring to do it, you can. Yeah. You totally can. So uh, good luck to you. Yeah, very good luck to you. Anybody else? What's anybody else want to do? Intern? Something hard? <laughs> no? Sound people? No? Okay, I can't teach you We're a quiet bunch. Anyway. Okay, we're they're quiet. quiet. Yeah. They're quiet. That guy, <laughs> is that a New York shirt? New York thing, yeah? I guess.
1: Oh, New York City. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> you know, we're basically another state of America these days. It's yeah? Yeah, it's all the same thing. They're d- they're literally, there was a newspaper article yesterday saying they want to open 200 Wendy's stores out here in the next couple of years.
0: Do you have any Wendy's yet? No, not yet. Ooh, square hamburgers. Yeah. Mm. yeah. They're pretty good, actually. I mean if you like mcdonald's wendy's will wendy's is like (laughs) five-star dining sorry mcdonald's does not sponsor my show no (laughs) (laughs) actually though it's funny my friends uh what do i call them? uh our you know my friend you met yesterday his guy that's with him anyway he went to mcdonald's the other day and he said uh yeah we went and got um chicken wraps at mcdonald's Mm, yeah he and another they're here working my friends here in town and um he goes, yeah, you can't get them in the U.S. Yep, And I said to my friend, oh, and we were at the at the food court of the the, the um, Crown Towers where we're staying. And um, I just looked around and I went, shit, there's this, this like fresh food. In the U.S., it would all be yeah. like, you've eaten that. Yeah. I mean, you can get really great fresh food, but. I think your guys' laws—it's a little better here. It's so a lot So that me. was the the Yarra the
1: river frontage food court. The car park food court out the back has the McDonald's, the KFC, the Subway, all right next to each other. So they have both. They cater for all tastes in it. Crown. Well, They're yeah, doing but a good <laughs> job. <here. laughs>
0: Are you sponsored by Crown? What uh, the? <laughs> I, I shouldn't, but you know, I, oh, do, yeah, I yeah. do do a lot of work in there. Yeah, so oh, it's, yeah, yeah. 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 No, well, they're like any business. But, Absolutely, but oh, yeah. um, no, but, but actually, it's not even that. It's like the McDonald's supposedly serves better food yeah, here they, than they do in the U.S. In Australia, they
1: invented this is the riveting. I oh, know. it's so yeah. They invented the McCafe... And it's like they're having barista-made coffee. And yeah. They, that was a Melbourne thing. There's nothing I, an Australian can't do but create
0: no. a coffee with Mick in front yeah, of it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I remember doing... That sounded worse than... Bringing it... it, it that was not... It was
0: Mick Cafe, okay? Bringing it back into the film Jeez. industry.
1: I remember doing... Uh, a, Dave Chappelle. I remember doing a McDonald's commercial uh-huh. back in the day. Yeah. And, you know, a 12-hour day at Macca's. And we walk outside the front to do the hero shot of the whole restaurant. And we finally got some fresh air after being inside all day and it stunk the stench of the oil the fumes oh, yeah. off the joint and uh, stuff like, frying and it was like yeah. oh she's just well, yeah, made us all want to be ill and not eat there i don't think i ate there again for like six or eight months or something mm. and even this year i was on my way to work and had a <coughs> got a coffee and a, a muffin for breakfast or something and it, i think pretty sure it gave me food poisoning and knocked me out for four days Ooh. so i um yeah had the more or less an ambulance paramedic take me away from set oh god on man. um on day three of a game show I was shooting, and it was um yeah not an not ideal way to start the year, first job of the year and oh, that was the first job of the yeah, year yeah, pretty much got you know uh, day two or day three, three days out with food poisoning wasn't uh,
0: wasn't fun so you shoot McDonald's commercials in Mcdonald's here yep okay in and outside of l a there's a um set McDonald's. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's uh they don't shoot all of them there, but they shoot quite a few. And I think of most of the inside stuff they shoot in there. And I've never worked in it, but I've heard about yeah, it. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of studios and production companies who have got um excuse me, mock pharmacies, mock supermarkets all set up in their offices. So I know one of the one of the big supermarket chains has a training store that they have in um, in their head office, which is where they shoot all their commercials. Otherwise, they've got concept stores that they use to... Mm. You know, they're rolling out new ideas, like these stupid self-serve checkouts and all that sort of stuff that make you do work for them instead of, you know, paying for your bills. Um, right. <laughs> instead of having staff there, you've got to do it yourself. So they do a lot of that sort of stuff in their concept stores and or head offices and or places like that. So it's... Um, yeah, and I know... Um, you know, we've all shot in the jumbo jet sets and the airplane sets and things like that or fake airplanes and those kind of moments. They're weird because you go in, walk into the studio at the start of the day and it feels like you've been on a flight for 15 hours, but then you walk <laughs> out the door and you're at home again. So it wasn't quite ideal doing those sort of ones.
0: We used to do a bunch of music clips in the,
1: back in the day, set yeah. in planes and things like that. But um,
0: Yeah, yeah. There are now even more than film sets – because most of the time these shows, like there was that show L.A. to Vegas. I don't know if it got to Australia. It did. Okay. Um, they used to shoot next door to the show I did uh, that I day played on a lot called Single Parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me, at Fox. <clears throat> and I walked into their stage by accident one day, you know, and they have their stuff built all the time. But now there are these like really, really, really small sets that are green screened with a few rows of private jet seating for Instagram models. Yeah. It's really <laughs> ridiculous. And they're apparently booked out constantly. Yeah. So.
1: I did a I did a training video for Qantas many years ago up in we were shooting on tarmacs at Sydney Airport so I got my Steadicam on with high vis vest and stuff on following airplanes as they're being taxied down onto runways and things like this and then in the um, the Qantas training base they've got all the you know mock things where they do a lot of the air, the stewardess training and host and hostage training and it was yeah it was a really interesting thing You go in there and light it and shoot it and it was fine because it's where they it's actually based on a real environment in there so it was pretty realistic it was good.
0: Okay, wait. I have a question for the students that will eventually lead back to you. Uh-oh. Okay, so who here has somebody in the business already, like a parent or a neighbor or a friend or just somebody you know that – anybody? Any an, – at all No, No? Everybody's – okay. Because – oh. I do. Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. So you have somebody – is that why you want to be in the business? Okay, they're not, they're not an inspiration or anything, just somebody you uh, know? They're an actor, so okay. it's a different area. Right, Okay. But do you know a little about the business from them, um, or you just know that's what they do? I like? just know that's what. Okay, so it's not okay. Yeah, so it's not else? like a close friend or a family relative that like encourages. It's a family you. relative, but we're not very close. Okay, fair, so yeah. fair enough. Now, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to. Uh, but the reason I asked is because this guy, you know, his dad was in the business. Yeah. He's uh, still in the business. Is in the business, but was when he was a young child, uh, and you know. These parents giving their jobs to their kids, I don't know if they deserve. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, I just want to me. ask Remember you. Remember he'll listen to the podcast and he said that he will, so of and
1: send you a message and give you a note. <laughs> a, a pile of shit. That's <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's welcome to. But it's one of
1: those that very early on and my mum and no one wanted me to go into the business initially. Right. They wanted me to do anything else just about. But I kind of in my mum's exact words was she didn't want to support two people in the film industry Because, again, you know, that's sometimes how the industry rolls. You can have hot periods where you're working on a show for six months, but then you may not work for another four
0: months. This this is actually a good point. I'll stop you for one sec. So, again, since we have students, I I feel so weird doing it this way. (laughs) Normally, it's just one-on-one. I don't have an audience. So, Um, anyway, um, so that's an important point because the business can be very up and down, especially at the beginning when you're just day playing, like getting a day of work here, a day of work there. Like, you need to learn that, like, put as much of it as you can away Eh, have some fun but like save your money because next week could be dead empty the week after that you could go three months without working so like hopefully you don't but things do go up and down and you'll work for you might work for three months straight and what a lot of people do is they start buying boats and houses and big stuff and spending a bunch of money and then it all dries up and then they have a problem so as you guys start in the business, it's just a good thing to remember. Absolutely. I sound like a yeah, grandpa, yeah. but whatever. Anyway. Uh,
1: they've, they've heard that from me plenty of times. Don't okay, worry. Okay. <laughs> so now I'm a broken record. All right. <laughs> no, no. Anyway, no. So,
0: you're, so your dad, and he started out as a camera assistant? Or yep. He okay? started
1: out, and there was in Australia in the 70s, there was a uh, production company here in Melbourne known as Crawfords. And they okay. were, they owned their own cameras, owned their own groups. Owned their, like the closest thing to a U.S. TV studio we've really had out here. Okay. And they produced... You know, if you think about it, it was all basically all the quality content out of for TV out of Melbourne. Melbourne's always been known for television drama. Okay. Features and movies and stuff have generally been a, you know, the majority of them have been Sydney and Brisbane, those kind of markets, because okay. they've had more studio space, more bigger things. But we've always known us, had been known for TV drama. Okay. So. That um, And Crawfords were the center of it in the 70s, 80s and into the early 90s. And they sort of disbanded a little bit and shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was started as a grip in there and then moved into camera and then was an in-house camera system for a long time and then a cinematographer uh, and worked his way up through them and then went freelance and started Steadicam in, I want to say, 90. I oh, did a workshop in Australia. The first ever workshop in Australia was in 1984. And then he did... Um, and he did that He workshop? did that. Who, yep. who taught it? Uh, Garrett came out, and then it was Toby Phillips, and I think there was one other another Aussie called Harry P who was teaching it, and who had been to the states previously and done a workshop. in Border and
0: had started it off here. Okay, with so a quick aside, you know I used to do a lot of commercials back in Florida in the yep. late '90s, early 2000s, and Toby Phillips used to shoot a lot of commercials wow. in there Orlando, in Florida. And yep. my friend Eric Emerson, who's mm-hmm. been on the podcast, yep. he used to work. He was Toby's first for go. a long time. Yep. And he liked Toby, and a lot of people didn't. I think mm. Toby was a very A-type and could yeah. be um, a little tough to work with sometimes. Yeah.
1: So you know that all that was the early, no- and then he, my dad, went back to the states in the early nineties, bought a rig, came back when he left Crawford's, and um, started the freelancing. Game. What do you mean and he and went to the states? He went to the states and did another workshop. So did a workshop, uh, did the eighty-one here in eighty-four, okay. went in, um, yeah, 91, 92, bought right. a rig and came back. And I think at the time there were there were maybe three steady cams in Melbourne. Now there's, you know, a good dozen or so, but um, there's also the work to sustain having that many people here at the moment. That's yeah, yeah. how much the industry's grown. There was you know, sort of a 20-year window where yeah, there's three steady cam operators in Melbourne, all of whom were pretty excellent and did a good job and had no issues. And now there's, yeah, yeah. dozens of us. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah. not quite, do- you know, not yeah. the thousand that are probably in LA these days, but... Um, how many do you think are in Australia altogether? Oh, I probably... I think we've got an Australian Steadicom operators Facebook group, and there's probably uh, I should not know how many are in it because I'm an admin of it, but there's probably a couple of hundred people in there. Um, but again, all, all across the country, there's probably you know 30 or 40 in Sydney these
0: days, and a couple of dozen here. But that's a good amount considering oh, yeah. your your country only has 25 Absolutely. million. Yeah, how yeah, many, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yep. Right. California has 41 million residents. Yeah. yeah. So. Exactly. And I don't know how many operators we have. It's a lot, hell of a lot more than. Yeah. A couple hundred. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but again, not
1: everyone out here has their own rigs. So there's a few, you know, rigs that fly around okay. the place and that sort of stuff. And there's a little bit sort of, of that in LA, yeah.
0: but very little. Yeah. Very little, yeah. But, but so anyway, I got you off subject. So no, then your no. dad, so so what was he working on when you started kind of int- getting interested in work? You so said you started at 16. Yeah, right? I did
1: yeah. a, it was a, he was working on a low budget Australian movie called The Real Thing that starred, um, uh, starred Australian actress Kate Fisher and Dylan, uh, Dylan somebody whose name escapes me now. But um, yeah, it was a little independent film. I think they had a million dollars back in you know the year two thousand to make. me sh- shooting thirty-five mil two perf, and um, it was I've an experience. Two, I've done two perf. Do you guys know what two perf is? Anybody? So on a 35 mil piece of film, there are four perforations to each negative, and the camera pulls four down. Well, that's the standard. The standard, amount, right? So what is there is, four, right. so it pulls down four perfs, and then four perfs, four perfs, and then four perfs. So it basically the gap between each frame on a piece of film is four perforations. So when you're shooting two perf, the gap between each piece of film is half as much.
0: So, therefore, you get twice as much out of your film stock, essentially. Right, but less resolution because you're shooting onto a smaller area. Correct. And then there was 3Perf, yep. which was for TV mainly, that gave you 25% more. And then they had, well, that's a the big TV, they called it. It was 3Perf, yeah. but you shot it. Anyway, Yeah. Fourth. Th- but, um, yeah, TV was always a 3Perf. But 2Perf became a thing. Did anybody see the movie The Fighter? David O. Russell movie um, um, with... Um, yeah. Uh, um, my God the hell's wrong with me Brian Fart the guy from uh, uh, Boogie Nights Mark uh, oh Wahlberg Wahlberg thank you <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> he's, a <laughs> little a known, he's a little known actor yeah yeah Mark Wahlberg nobody saw th- The Fighter great movie anyway mm-hmm. uh, oh Christian Bale right oh, yes. Christian Bale Mark Wahlberg yeah, yeah yeah and anyway that's a great film but um, uh, anyway they shot two perf and it's yep. a it looks grainy mm. um, if anybody's familiar with the look of 35 millimeter, like four perf, it looks great, but you get a little grain structure and like it's a little interesting. I like digital, but it's a little plain. It's a little perfect. And film had this like happy accidentness to it, like a almost like a hand drawn thing instead of a something drawn by a computer. What does Wally Fister say? That's the first time I've ever made that analogy. Does that make any fucking sense? uh, A little bit. Wally Fister compares it to.
1: He's not giving up his. And I'm quoting this. He's not giving up his set of oil paints for crayons just yet was him talking about digital versus film. So, okay. yeah. 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 Which yeah. is pretty spot on the money, I reckon. Yeah. Well, but that
0: reminds me that, so I still shoot film stills. Yep. Uh, obviously, I use my phone like everybody else. But, like, if I want to go out and make art, uh, I shoot film and I shoot I shoot slide film and then I cross it and I push it and I do stuff that you just can't do with digital. But I was seeing, like, the kids these days, apparently on Instagram. <laughs> old man's still here. Uh <laughs> are liking these like digital cameras from like the early two thousands and late nineties. Just oh, really? post stuff. Do you any of you do that? My daughter does. Your daughter does? Yeah. yeah. Right. So they have these little okay, so it's it's literally the kids. Um, they <laughs> <laughs> No, they, they go to these like shitty anyway. Uh I just said <laughs> th- it's it's kinda cool. No, because they grew up with phones and stuff like p- yeah. perfect photos, oh, so they're trying to go back yeah, yeah. to anyway. Um, Yeah, back to where we were.
1: Um, I remember when I was at high school going out on set with dad when I was growing up and kind of grew up and got a taste for it then. But at the same time, I was always really careful. I didn't want to be and I never wanted to guarantee my work because I'm Lewis's son. And Mm -hmm. I always deliberately, very deliberately did that and went on a point about it because, you know, I see so many... Second generation people and, oh, yeah, you're doing this big, oh, your old man does it. Oh, okay, cool. You're just following literally in the coattails. For me, I went down kind of very early after doing Pacific, went down the live TV and events path because Dad didn't do it. He did drama. And now it's one that I kind of grew up doing drama and now spend, made my name doing a lot of big events and mm-hmm. live TV, that it's a very different kind of game. Okay. And we're both very different people yet and very different have different skill sets. So the good thing is, you know, when we get a phone call, oh, cool! If I can't do it or I'm not right for it, I'll, you know, Lewis will also go and do the job for me. You know, if I get a job um, out in the industry, then occasionally he'll come and cover teaching classes in here for me, and lo- and they all love it. everyone loves it, so it works out kind of really, really well in that context as well. That's nice. And I think we're one of the only. There might be one or two others. The only father-son teams on the SOC roster at the moment. There was only a few both um, active SOC members. Few, um, yeah, father son teams or father daughter teams at the moment. Who are Mother they? daughter. I'm trying to remember the others. Um, that is going to annoy the hell out of me. But yeah, I remember. I think I said that when um, I, it came up when I got my SOC accreditation. That it was like, oh, okay. Wow. There's like maybe one or two others over the journey or currently mm. on the b-
0: on the roster. I can't remember who it is. But is there a toll in there? Could be Chris Toll or yeah, maybe John. I don't know if John yeah. would ever be. I don't know those guys, but I am but just trying yeah. to think of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: no, exactly. Right. And it's not a not a standard thing, but it, it
0: is, but it isn't. It's not the Rivettis at all. Nah, they no, they were it. focus sports. No, I know, yeah, but yeah. I know. <laughs> they would let them in if they <laughs> yeah. asked. Absolutely, of course they would. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: But yeah, so that, you know, we, we both, we've made different careers, do different things, and now it's um, have different skill sets. And that's a really good thing, and I never wanted to be that person. I was I always wanted to keep working and I saw all the writing on the wall, okay, there's only one or two camera operators on a movie. And yet there might be five or ten on an outside broadcast or more. Or right. those kind of a things. So it was I always wanted to keep myself working, always wanted to keep employed and, you know, doing good work that I enjoyed. And yeah, for me at the moment it's yeah, working in live events and sport and Things that go in places that peop, normal people don't get to do, unfortunately, going backstage at rock concerts, hanging out with all kinds of different people, yeah. seeing different, you know, that is the perk of the job and yeah, traveling absolutely. and getting to see some
0: things that you, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and you know, meet people like yourself from around the world, hang yeah. out and have friends all over the place. You yeah. know, as we've all said and has been said a hundred times on the podcast, the steady community is rather small and yeah. we all know each other, we all work together, and we've all got each other's backs, and that's one of the really unique things about this business you know other businesses no one knows you know who the first accountant was no one knows who is the grandfather of the business, or started this or did that we've got garrett that we all look up to and yep. jerry and all the other guys out there that um have started our business and invented the thing that we love to do the most
0: and make our livings with it's an amazing thing yeah yeah it's so, funny you were talking about doing like events and stuff mm-hmm. and i i'm like Because they, because oftentimes you laugh or enjoy the event yourself. Like if you like Billy Joel, how cool is it to get to shoot Billy Joel?
1: Yeah, I mean one of the really early ones I did, and I'm talking, you know, thirteen years ago. One of my very first um, concerts was Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons, and I'm in the pit doing a Frankie Valli concert. How old were they at the time? Oh, ancient. Okay, (laughs) ancient. Are they still around? I don't (laughs) even know. But um, I'm you know you know. I knew the words to every single one of the songs that they sang that night because it's the music we grew up with uh, and it's like the hairs on the back of the neck are standing up because it's the real cool. people it's not impersonators it's just like oh wow this is oh shit this is you know a once in a lifetime chance right you know hearing Hans Zimmer play the scores from all his music at an mm-hmm. event not too long ago out here when he was touring it
0: with an orchestra
1: fantastic
0: I heard he was doing that a little bit. Yeah, uh, it yep. would be it would be good. That would be a real good one. John, you know, I've never been to the you know at the Hollywood Bowl. John Williams every mm. summer plays yeah. with the Philharmonic and they do all his stuff. And but I'm a bigger fan of Hans Zimmer. I mm. think. Oh I mean. yeah. But um, I mean, not you know. No, no. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, but uh, um, no, I was gonna say I, you know, I'm a I'm a big L.A. Kings hockey fan. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was thinking, like, geez, you know, for like my downtime, like in in the summer, like on the show right now I should try to do hockey it's a different union oh really yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah yeah but like selfishly I'm like how great would that be you get to go to every hockey game live so here it's we've kind of all come under
1: the same union but it's not union enforced like it is over in the states so it's a right. a different kind of game plan with all that stuff and you know, you don't have to be a union member to work on shows like
0: you do over there. Mm. And it's... Um, yeah, but it depends where you are. Exactly. Yep. There are a bunch of... I mean, in the US, there yep. are a bunch of right-to-work states. Yep. So like Florida, you don't have to. Georgia, you don't have to, I don't believe. Um, but there are a lot of states that mm. you don't have to join, which makes it a little tough because, you know, uh, not that yep. I care one way or the other. It's just it's hard to have a union... Un- uh, sorry, a, a united group of workers that aren't really all in the same thing and they all kind of want different stuff. And, you know, that's the only issue about being in a union is like, sometimes you have to put your thing on the back burner to help somebody else that maybe needs, you know, if you can get one thing done and there are five issues, you have to pick one of them. And yeah, I don't do the negotiating, but I know how it works and you know, you're not going to get everything every time. So Mm. that's the downside. The the upside is that in general, we all do a little better.
1: Absolutely. It's, yeah across the board the union yeah. here negotiate with productions and with government and the, that you know group in between so that they whatever they say whatever the agreement comes the unions there to enforce it and make sure that it works and make sure that everybody's looked after and that's the name of the game with it and um you don't need to even you don't even need to be a member to benefit from it because they negotiate with the entire crew with the producers beforehand to make sure that we're all relatively looked after right so you know, or as the majority say, so it's,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, just uh, making sure things are still going good here. <laughs> <A> bit rusty, <laughs> well, are you, Brad? I am rusty, and, you know, I had to <laughs> I had to teach myself all this stuff. I, I literally went out and bought all this gear, and luckily I have a post-sound friend that directed me in the right direction, but, um, you know, I had to learn all this stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of watching YouTube, trying to... Because f- I'm using Ableton, it doesn't look... It's not um, simple-looking. It, yeah, yeah. It's more made for making music, so it's a yep. lot more, like, intricate. Anyway. You know. <laughs> but it's been fun to learn. It's just I had to relearn so it. Well, it's just done, I haven't done it.
1: You've been doing a great job. I reckon I'll probably listen to just about every one of the podcasts you've done so far. And it's oh good. Yeah, it's great to be sitting here doing it with you. Cool, so man. Yeah. it's Cheers a, to that.
0: Oh, thanks. Cheers to you. Uh, and, you know, I, I also owe you a, a thank you because... You've been so hospitable. Hospitable. I mean, you came. You came to me, and then you c- gave me a ride today because it was oh. raining. Very nice of you. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: going to make you walk up the road and, with pelican cases and stuff, and you know, I'll, I'll stitch you up. Leave you. Out no, was. you. C- I mean, I <laughs> could. I told
0: you, I could take an Uber. It's no problem. But anyway, you've been very. Mate, I,
1: w- I, w- I would have had you stay with us if we didn't have the two kids. Oh, so that that's would alright, yeah. you're, you're better off where you are. <laughs> Not gonna no, no, show yeah, you. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> no. we're good. We're good. And uh, I would have driven you crazy anyway. Actually, I was going to stay with an old friend of mine. They live in Virginia. I went to visit. Oh, yeah. They have two kids, and I was like, "What am I crazy? Yeah, they have, their oldest is ten. Uh, you know, they go, they all go to bed at nine thirty at night. Mm-hmm. I want to go out and have a drink, yep. and uh, you know, I don't want to bother them. So no. I got a hotel. <laughs> stupid. They're like, "Yeah, stay with us. It sounds great until you think about it. But um. Yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, so your dad's still working a lot or is he kind of... Every now and then. I mean, he's I don't know how old your dad enough. is, but he's you're super old, so... Oh, yeah, fuck you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I was going to say you started... Um, what were you saying about 1984? You had started... Um, was that when you were... You said 1984 earlier on, and I forget what it was in That I was here? you were here. You were here, yes, of course you were. You were yeah, last yeah. year in 1984. That was the year I was born, so I hope you feel old after I've said I that to you. I do feel old, yeah. Thank <laughs> you so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel old
0: anyway it doesn't really matter what you say but (laughs)
1: that's right. Um, Um,
0: go ahead you were were going to ask me
1: something Um, oh brain fart I've forgotten
0: (laughs) you guys can take off if you need to go yeah if you want to go duck out feel free thanks for hanging around around. sure Uh, we're just rambling at this point yeah yeah Thanks. The more you, of this we drink, the more it'll uh, be rambling. I hope you, I hope you weren't sleeping.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we, now's the time to take a break and let these guys get sure, out of here. Sure, that's a good we'll idea. Yeah, yeah we'll
0: take a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. We'll be back in a minute.
1: Star fridge over there. I could have gone and stolen a few of, but... Oh, that's all right. So, we didn't yeah. need to have both. No, no, no. Not at all. I didn't even <laughs> know you had these. So we're, we're, <laughs> we're back. <laughs> I know. I surprised you with the, with the
0: booze. And I'm sorry the, the kids are all gone now, by the way, anybody listening. But the... the um, I surprised you with the two bottles of booze and some of the kids' eyes lit up pretty bright. But (laughs) I told them, none for you. We're a creative bunch around here and – well, you can drink at eighteen here, right? You can, yeah. And are, are all of them over yeah, eighteen? Yeah, every,
1: everyone in this group was over eighteen, right, so could have, so. but um, no, no, I know. wasn't going to. No, no, that.
0: No, they're, no. they're in class and stuff. Yeah, but exactly. This was also despite this us is, this sitting is here nice having bourbon, a we don't oh, have to give it nice. away to kids Hell who don't no. appreciate. Hell it. no!
1: <laughs> so, yeah, this was actually a film class, a live film class. We're <laughs> sitting here having a you know doing the podcast in, which works out great because you know these. The students got a, you know, got Brad's expertise out here, and we're asking <laughs> questions and hanging out. And um, they got Brad something <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> hey, if you can bullshit your way into the business, and that's amazing. Yeah, it's, right. um, You've just got the talent to go with it. from no, what you, I've seen of your work. Oh, so. thank you. You know, the, the,
0: we, I was actually surprised. Uh, uh, how many three, four, at least, or five? Oh, of them, on yeah. the way out, we're like, "Oh, thanks." So that was really interesting. And I'm like, "Good," because you it didn't look like you were interested. Well, <laughs> how we were sitting here there are there are
1: hard crowds sometimes and that was one of the early attachments when I started teaching it's like some classes and some students you get a lot out of they can't they want to know everything they want to ask every right. question others they can. just stare others blankly just like, at you, right? okay yeah it's like you're like a comedian that yeah. makes a bad joke in front of a lot of people and you're trying to read the audience it's like Bueller, Bueller. well to be honest
0: I made a little joke about I sound like an old man right now because I was like these kids today and I saw two of them <laughs> look at each other and roll their fucking eyes they yeah. were like oh and I was like Uh oh. Shit. (laughs) But one of the ones who did also said, Yeah. Thank you. I learned a lot on the way out. So, okay. So I'm an idiot, but there was something interesting happening, probably from you.
1: Everyone takes it all in. And it's one that's. You know, if you get one little thing out of a, a lesson, you try and teach, you know, you can teach everyone, you give everyone all the skills, but it's what they do with it at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. You know, and I'm and sounding very much like a teacher saying all this stuff, but yeah. it's one that it's common sense. You know, if yep. you can, you know, if I can teach one person to read a room, if I can teach one person to do something, it's like, oh, JP said that 20 years ago yeah. in film school and that sticks with you. Yeah. It's you know I've still got and every, you know, everyone in, who goes to film school will have these little moments. It's like, oh my lecturer sent that back in the day and remember the um. Uh, well, w- well, I'm
0: sure sometimes they they make a mistake and learn a lesson, and Absolutely. then they realize that you had told them that before. Yeah. A lot of people have to, but like if so, I was talking about negotiating, and you're only worth what you ask. Yeah, yeah about totally. It. Like, and there was a couple of little things I was like, here's mm. something to remember. Yep. If one person helps themselves out by that. Yep. That's Absolutely. really cool. Yeah. Other ones maybe will make the mistake and then go, "Oh, this is what they were talking about." Yep. Exactly. And that's right. fine. Yeah. But that that probably gets them closer to not making that mistake three times and then yep. figuring it out. Exactly right. So they've made it once, they go, "Oh, those people weren't complete idiots. Yeah. I'll try not to do that again." Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which exactly is cool. Right. And
1: look, you know, those those mistakes happen every, you know, if if I can have these guys make a mistake and break something here, they're never going to do that in the industry. Right. And they'll see it happens in front of all of us, and yeah, right. it happens. With t- with limited consequences. Yeah. I remember being right. in a... Going so not career enders. Or no, anything, I yeah. remember it was a film school in Sydney that used to have their own steady Steadicam. Mm-hmm. And the deal was they weren't allowed to book it out to te- uh, to use on their productions unless they'd been taught by either Lewis or I. He was on a show away so I went up to Sydney and taught this class and I'm mounting their red epic to their I think it was a Zephyr steady camera. It was a pretty lightweight camera lightweight epic. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't built or anything and it fits right. on a Zephyr nicely. And <coughs> put it on, start showing off, you know, not a little bit, not the you know, not to any great extent and then the arm just blew up. And just crash to the ground and their camera's down and all this stuff. And I'm crawling, oh, shit, my first day here trying to, you know, show people how to use this thing and I've broken it. And the, the guy's like, oh, no, it happens all the time. It's the third one we've been through. <laughs> Lee Mac can keep the in, part in stock for us. So there we go. Done. Right. Fixed. And it's happened. It's, it was a simple mistake. It was fixed the next day. No yeah, issues. Good, yeah. And, you know they understand what to do with it if you you own you make a mistake and you own it that's fine no yeah, big yeah. deal same yeah, yeah, as yeah. those DPs we we're talking about before you underexpose something you don't do something you own it it doesn't happen again you you know you're lost yeah, right. about it so right.
0: yeah yeah um, yeah anyway that, yeah. That's, that should be what School is about is absolutely you know, and then it, it, at least just kind of having the tools. But it's kind of interesting that you're you're doing this, and it's fun. And this place, I just walked to. You walked me around it a little bit, not a, not a ton. Mm. It's really nice. Number one, what's it called again? Uh, it's the JMC Academy down in Melbourne, Australia. JMC Academy. Yeah. um it, it, It's again, it's really nice. And then you were walking me through. You're like, oh, we have a color suite here, and we have this. Oh, and you're like, that's the hangout area. And the band played at lunch, and I'm like, oh, because they have music here. Yeah. So a band played at lunch is like entertainment and yep. practice for them yep. at the same time. Absolutely. And you said there's edit bays upstairs. There's edit, ba- there's there's pl- edit bays. We've got <coughs> It's. it's Would you say actors, sound?
1: Yep. Actors, sound engineering, live production, multimedia. And by the kinds. way, our
0: two got name the two people who came in here. Uh, that th- we are have th- our, your our um, your bosses yeah, or your colleagues, our, or our
1: head of film and TV, Peter George came in, who's a former producer that I've worked with Who for was super a very, cool. very long time, and then Matt Kaylor who's our now senior lecturer, um, both amazing people and really supportive of me and what we're doing, and just yeah. the students in general. And it's you know, I you were saying before about having <sighs> a, a relative in the industry, and a, as a you know. Not quite implying, but everyone, it's like an easy way to get in the industry. Oh, you know someone, you know this, you know that. And it's like, well, okay, I got the opportunity to kind of give something back and help out, you know, the young kids coming through because it's got to be tough. It's, you know, it's so hard to get a break. Mm-hmm. And it's now at a point where it's like, okay, like, and I said it before, I see my students on jobs. I see former students out and about in the industry making a living and right. setting themselves up and doing great things. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. You said this school is private. Yes. Is it paid for by the state? Like, if you want to go here, no. You, um, so each student can get some government funding to support okay. their position, or it's like a it's a low interest <coughs> loan or no interest loan that they can pay back over time. Right. I've, it's taken out of your tax returns after you earn X amount of dollars per year, right, right, which is right, sort right. of the same as every university. It's just this one's. You know, not so government funded it's a private enterprise you know private for profit business so to speak so, so
0: is that the same if they go to like a public university yeah. they still owe a little money yeah they
1: still owe money they still pay that so back it's not completely free community. not completely free no okay. it's not it was, nothing's ever free just these a days, super low interest yeah. loan yeah like pretty right? much okay.
0: yeah. and what's it what's it run you to go to school and, and you know we we do have to go unfortunately yeah, no, I'm, no. On a t- <laughs> I'm on a schedule um, not this exact moment but we need We've to got go a little bit. Yeah, shortly it, look I don't know like, these days like what it five costs five minutes okay yeah, so okay. Yeah, yeah I sorry. don't know really
1: these days what it costs but it's um, it's up there yeah. and it's a it's a large investment in your career so whatever I can give to help them along the way I'm more than happy to well, help out with right, and right, do right. that and it's
0: Well, I was just curious. I mean, you know, like the problem is it's hard to invest a lot in a career that you don't know if you don't want to do later. It's a tough one. I always tell people, now, you're working at a school. This is what I tell people. I've had a lot of people over the years, old friends of mine who I grew up with or went to college with, and they text me or message me and they say, my kid wants to go to film school. Which one should I send them to? It's an easy answer for me. None of them. Yep send them to set, be an intern, yep. go around. This is how I got my first yeah, yeah. job in the business. I went to a UPM. It's a little more complicated because yeah. you just don't know a UPM, no. but I, I somehow managed to get like a, an interview with this guy. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, you don't know me. Interviewing me doesn't mean shit to you. Mm-hmm. You're only gonna know if I'm gonna do a good job if I work with you. So this is a two-day job, right? And he said, yeah. I said, I'll work day one for free if yep. I do a good job and you want me back on day two you pay me for day two Yep, I think I've told this on that yeah. thing before but but it, you know and look I'm not some genius it just kind of came to me at the moment yeah. it, it, because I didn't think he was going to hire me I, I got my
1: start in the same way I'd go to work with dad on my days off for high school or holidays or he'd be shooting a music video for a cool band that I liked and I'm oh yeah fuck, I want to go along and have some fun and I'd do that and then Especially, and we haven't really, you know, got into this when the transition to digital started, mm. because I knew film, and I was getting on board for digital at the start. A lot of his mates started hiring me as their assistants, and so right. I got a lot of. I was working with, and kind of upset a few people along the way. But I'm assisting, you know, some ACS accredited cinematographers, and doing this stuff jobs that I, you know, in, normally wouldn't be qualified for, yeah. but. Because I knew a bit of film, knew enough digital, when the other film focus pools wouldn't touch digital, that was kind of my gateway into that moment and kinda of took me, you know, to a bunch of different places. And then yeah, it progressed and, you know, twenty years later or twenty odd years later here I am and still yeah. doing it and riding the wave and kinda of loving every minute of it.
0: It's good been man. great. I'm glad. And you know, you seem really happy and to be honest, Melbourne seems real happy
1: look, we just are just being it's, around. It's come alive again. It was a there was a while where obviously post COVID and we've spoken about the pandemic a bit already that you know it wasn't a the happy, good place to be. Right. Now we're kind of back out of our shell and it's just going nuts, you know, yeah, I'm busy working at, you know I'm trying to stay at home as much as I can, and it's been um been crazy doing right. you know all the big acts. everyone's coming back to town, there's all these big tours, concert stuff's going mm-hmm. on, live sports back events. You know, well, let me year, let me tell was, you, though, you know, big yeah.
0: big cities, they, they all had the same thing. It's like yeah. there was this, like, overall depression mm. and people yep. were bummed out and, like, quarantined. But they all came out of it. Yeah. And, you know, I live in L.A. It's not positive like it is here. No. I mean, everybody's happy to be out. Yeah. But, like, there are a lot of people who it seems like the time away gave them time to think about how to be bigger assholes. <laughs>
1: Yeah. You I know agree. what I mean? Absolutely. It, like, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: It's bad, yep. man. And, you know, I haven't been here long, so no, no. My, my 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 time here is very anecdotal. But yeah, it's yeah. like just being around everybody's like yeah. people are super friendly. Mm-hmm. Nobody's up my ass because I'm an American to try to kiss no. my ass. They're no. just kind of normal. A yep. couple people have been like, oh, you're from America. Oh, I studied abroad there, this and that, yeah, yeah. you know, like those things. Yep. But, like – it's super normal and cool, and that guy wants to do his class in here. doesn't No, uh, he? fair enough. He
1: works for me when he's not teaching here. He's in one, one of the other lecturers that I kind of um, have okay. roped into working on oh, cool. on live events for me and shooting. Cool. He's got he's got cool. one of my cameras sitting <coughs> in his car that has um, been sitting there for a week or so. So got he's it. got a <laughs> got it. Keeps pestering
0: me to get no it back to no me. worries, so and I don't want to cause you guys any more no, hassle.
1: No, there is never a hassle out here. Thanks. They will everyone again. I know they will wait. And it's if um was the and uh, the um Travolta's anecdote out of Get Shorty when he's talking to Danny DeVito's character. If you're important, people will wait. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. In that context, he's talking about hybrids versus sports cars and stuff. But it sticks with me. If you're important, people will wait. We better so hurry. So. <laughs> we better hurry. <laughs>
0: All right, man. Thank thanks very much. Right? I Absolutely hope you enjoyed anytime. the bourbon. Oh, mate. And uh, obviously it's we'll hang out more while I'm here, but uh, yeah, yeah. this, is, uh, this is the end for this episode. <laughs> I <laughs> and, hope uh,
1: we haven't talked, a whole, we've talked a whole lot of bullshit, but it's hopefully... It's we'll, always um, a whole lot of bullshit <laughs> when you're dealing with me, buddy. <laughs> uh, we've, uh, before uh, everyone walked in showing uh, some history, I showed, it, Brad, I showed everyone a photo of Brad Knight and with Ron Baldwin. Oh, that's and, right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And who else is in that? Jeff Shots and BJ from oh, 2000- yeah, yeah, yeah. 2007. Okay. When I first met you guys, it was right. my first trip to the states. When I was hanging out, hanging out, and um, yeah. you know, experiencing L.A. and Cine Gear and all that stuff, and it's uh, you know, I love it and keep coming back and can happily call all you guys mates, and it's um, yeah, it's fantastic. So yeah,
0: it's right back at you. Yeah, man. yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks, thanks again. We'll, time, let, we'll let they're they're. You should see <laughs> them. They're banging on the door right now. They're screaming. They just want the bourbon. They just want bourbon. It's like World War Z right now. Yeah, They're about yeah. to come in over the top and yep. through the ceiling, so we better go. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks again. Anytime, mate. Anytime. Right, I had a lot of fun recording this uh, episode with James, and I uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, it's robot. If you'd like to email me, it's podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash walking I'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.